You are listening to Big Trouble and Little Podcast. And here are your hosts, Joe Dove and Andy. Hello, Internet peeps, and welcome to another edition of Big Trouble Little Podcast. I'm Joe Dubs. And I'm Andy. And this is episode 60-fucking-five of the final Planet of the Apes movie of War for the Planet of the Apes. I always said War of the Planet of the Apes because I'm used to saying of all the time. Mm, yeah, they are. there are lots of ofs. This is... mm-hmm. And boy, what a journey that we have come up to to get to this point and both of our list is list is have changed well mine has changed yeah our lists have changed dramatically they're different from each other it's been a long nine movie nine week journey to get here with some 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 tangents i still kind of want to check out the comics at some point but i still haven't mm-hmm. the tv show but eh, whatever we're doing movies only um yeah, this is the last movie for now. Like we we discussed this last week, but the uh, Planet of the Apes um, series is was owned by 20th Century Fox, which means it is now owned by Disney. Mm-hmm. So who knows what what the future holds for the Apes franchise? And I will say, once we get into talking about it, they leave it up. They leave it up to conclusion that there could be a. Uh, Kind of not not a reboot. They could actually continue the story. But before we do that, Andy, what the hell are you been watching? Oh, some stuff that didn't have apes in it. Uh, oh, I don't have it listed here, but I watched um, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's got a monkey in it. <laughs> uh, but everyone's seen that. There's no reason to discuss that. Uh, I watched Rashomon, like one of the most famous movies. It's a Akira Kurosawa classic from 1950. Mm-hmm. It's got, you know, it's the the structure of which has been spoofed a, a thousand times over in pretty much every TV show you can name. Um, I watched Ride in the Whirlwind, which is a western from 1970, 60 something. It's late sixties, early seventies. It was directed by Monty Hellman, um, produced by Roger Corman, and written by Jack Nicholson. He also stars in it alongside, uh, um, what's that guy's name? Uh, Cameron Mitchell and some other guy. It was it was extremely good. I liked it as well. I mean, it's no Rashomon. What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. And uh, just a bit ago, I finished That Night's Wife. It's a Ozu movie from... What, it's right here. 1930. It's a silent film from Japan in 1930. It was pretty good. Yeah, and everybody could thank me for him to watch that because I, I was like, hey, we're going to start at 6 o'clock to record, but now I was having dinner with my family and i was like can we push it to seven o'clock so i watched a 65 minute silent movie from japan nice it was pretty good i enriched my my brain a little bit watching silent movies is like i don't know it's hard it's hard to start and even after you're into it like now that i'm into silent movies Mm -hmm. sometimes it's still really hard like i left my phone in the other room on purpose and i heard it ding a few times i was like is that dubs is it it's who's who's talking to me what's and you've got to really say no i'm not going to do that because with a silent movie you've got to pay attention because you know if you look at your phone during a regular movie you can still pick up some of the dialogue you still follow along if you look away from a silent movie too long you'll just oh i don't even know what happened. that's how i, I feel, that's how i feel with all of the movies even the one that is not silent i'm like yeah i mean that is still best policy for watching any movie of course yeah, because if anybody, you know, when you're in a theater and they tell you to turn the cell phones off, they're not just trying to be mean to millennials. It's just, it's rude. Just, you know, keep your eye on the movie. That's why you're there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you want to look at a movie while you're watching a movie, or look look at your phone while you're watching a movie at home, then, eh, we're fine. It's it's your life, man. But mm. in a theater, uh, why don't you go fuck yourself? Yep. <laughs> That's why, you know, popcorn gets thrown at you. But yeah, don't discount silent movies. They're 
it's an acquired taste. You gotta start at the right place. Watch some comedies. We need to maybe down the road. We won't do like a nine or maybe like a thirteen, but maybe like a top five uh, silent movie list that we can rank down the let's road. Let's do let's do like uh, five Charlie Chaplin movies. Well, they're not all silent though, and I'd want to watch The Dictator. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll figure it out. That's something. That's something to to contemplate. If you have recommendations for silent movies we should watch, if you want us to watch a bunch of Buster Keaton movies or something, whatever, just comment or add us or whatever. Yep. Me, I went to the TV shows because I was, like, tired of watching some movies. You know, I saw Detective Pikachu. I saw all those uh, Stallone movies. I was like, I'm going to chill. So there was a show that came out in the late 90s and early 2000s called Beyond Belief Fact or Fiction. Um, very B-rated, like, uh, acting, and it was always on the Sci-Fi channel. It started with the host, James Brolin, yes, Josh Brolin's father, um, he, he hosted it for six episodes, I think, which, which was the first season, and then Jonathan Frakes, uh, took over. Number two. Yeah, and what this show was basically about is they had weird stories, kind of like Twilight Zone-esque. There was always a twist at every story, and you would ha- you you yourself would have to be like, is this fact or fiction? And they would tell you at the end of the show if it was based on true events or they made it up. Sounds kind of interesting. Is it a half hour or an hour long? Or is it 22 minutes or 47, whatever it, it is I believe it's a half an hour, and it's like really short stories, and they throw it like five at you. So give me an example. Give me give me your favorite. Um, recently my favorite was there was a writer in eighteen, like ninety six or something, was going to his editor and be like, "Hey, I have a story for you. Uh, it's about this ship, uh, a big ship. It's ri- all all rich people are in it, and they you know." It goes up to Canada, and it... Oh, um, uh, not a night to remember. What's it called? I've heard this before. Uh, oh, my... It, it be, it's basically the story of the Titanic, right? Yeah. Yeah, I've heard this before. Yeah, and... Sorry, I probably ruined it for everyone who's listening. <laughs> I just wanted to sound like a smarty pants. Yeah, and that's one of my favorites. And then there's, like... There's lame ones. That, uh, <laughs> there was an episode with Terry Funk, the wrestler. Uh yeah who uh Funk you. yeah he was being like a a loser uh face pretty much who's always getting beat up by this one heel character and uh he said i'm not gonna lose anymore so <laughs> he was gonna go off the script and the twist with that one was uh he died like he he died in the ring and he was wrestling with him for 20 minutes because at the end, a uh, doctor comes in. He's like, he's been dead for 20 minutes. You've been wrestling with a dead man. And uh, that was false, by the way. Because <laughs> yeah, I I, I, we would know if somebody was wrestling with a dead man for 20 minutes. But it's really cool. Like, I actually researched some of the stories. Because they do tell you in the show that these are based off of real events. They just switched up the names and the uh, locations and stuff. Hmm. So, like, I I actually searched. I was like, hey, you know, beyond belief, uh, where the story's real, and, you know, you Google that shit, you find out, you know, what stories were real. Hmm. But it's on Hulu. Not Hulu. Uh, Amazon Prime. And all the seasons are on there. I, I recommend it. it it's It's... <laughs> It's very 90s. I'll just put that out there. You know, when they they call the internet the net or the World Wide Web. <laughs> hey, I, I love me some 90s television. I love the X-Files and, and Stranger Things. I love, you know, Next Generation. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jonathan Frakes is there. Riker. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's all I've been watching. But uh, I think we should get into War for the Planet of the Apes. I'm going to put this out here. I liked it a lot. <laughs> yeah, I like this movie too. Looks like you liked it more than I did, maybe. Yeah, I, 
I felt like the remember we were predicting like what was gonna happen. I was like, oh, you know, they're gonna kill Caesar. There, there's gonna be like a big war, but there really wasn't a big war. Like the war was already happening with the humans. Mm-hmm. Like you saw the battle in the beginning. I like what they did more because they were like, oh, the apes are gonna go to war with the spe- the special forces colonel, and I was like. How are they gonna make that believable at all? And luckily, they don't really like. Mm. Like Caesar knew that now that they knew where to find them, they were probably just gonna wipe them out like fairly easily. Mm-hmm. So they said, "Oh, well, we're gonna get out of here," and th- that just worked out a lot better, I thought, the way it was. And then he he captures them and stuff, and that's totally like I could see that that makes more sense. And honestly, I, I thought it it created a more interesting. Um, dilemma than oh we're at war mm-hmm. so i i like that they threw the curveball at us like because we were expecting from dawn that we would you know be seeing a full-fledged war but then they threw these curveballs where the war was already happening but there was also a uh humans versus humans war going on at the same time i thought that was really cool because of, of what the colonel was fucking doing <laughs> Which was really fucking sick, and uh, there was times where I kind of felt for him because they kept on talking about his his kids, and then all of a sudden he's like, "Well, we have to do this because you know they can't be sick anymore; they they have to die." And I was like, "He's lost it. He's clearly gone. That's why the other humans are trying to kill him." Um, yeah. Um. The plot of the story is pretty much Caesar's son, the older son, uh, finds a new home. It's in in the desert. It's going to be a long trip to get there. Um, But the the colonel, in between all that, kills... uh, They they do like a, a night attack. And he thinks that he killed Caesar, probably because they all look alike or something like that. And he kills the older son and his wife, Cornelia. And Caesar is really pissed. Uh, what do you think about the Koba haunting him? Because, like, Koba w- was mad at the human. I like that a lot. Like, when he hallucinates, Koba turns up and he's like, oh, ape has killed, or ape will not kill ape, and stuff like that. Uh, I just always really like the design of Koba, so I'm glad that they figured out a way to shoehorn him into this movie. Even though it's a little campy, it's mm-hmm. still really cool. Because the, the, the arc that Caesar's got in this is that he's grappling with main, staying a good leader. Because the first, the first two movies kind of established that he is a good leader. And then in this movie, like that confidence is shaken mm-hmm. because he makes some choices that, are, that aren't wise, that, uh, that really that get up several apes killed and captured. So that's that's his arc, and now he's like, oh, maybe I'm bad, maybe I'm just like Koba, stuff like that. So I, I thought that was a pretty good idea. And I like that with the uh, the colonel's army, um, there was like traitors. Like there was another gorilla. What was the name of that gorilla? Not Winter. Winter was a a full traitor. <laughs> the only albi- albino <laughs> gorilla uh, ape we saw throughout yeah, the yeah, which is interesting. That seems like a holdover from. Um... Oh, Tim Roth's character was supposed to be an albino gorilla in the 2001 Planet of the Apes. Mm-hmm. They changed their minds on it. It seemed like it came from that, but that was weird because where did that albino gorilla come from? You don't see it in the other two movies, but whatever. It's an interesting character. Um, what was the reddish gorilla's name? Uh, I don't know. I'm looking at the IMDb, but none of the names... St- oh, Red Donkey. He didn't have a name. Oh, yeah. And there's another character that we'll talk about in a second that I absolutely loved. I... I kind of like shrugged Bad at it. Ape, right? yeah. yeah. I kind of shrugged at it because I was like, "Oh, he's clearly the comedic uh, person in it," but he he did it well. Like he was an idiot. He was. Uh, I like the idea that he was stuck in a zoo, but this like virus turn him into like talking uh, ape because yeah we'll go ahead and talk about bad ape now like it's he's extremely well acted and pretty well written but i don't there's several moments where it's just like a moment of comedy and well-written comedy like laugh out loud all that silly but it's like in the middle of like real serious stuff and Mm -hmm. it totally like 
derails and deflates the tone of the movie and I'm sure that that was like some producers who were like, oh, you got to have some, some comedy in this movie. We, we need people to laugh at this. And I'm sure the people make the movie were like, it's not really supposed to be funny, so mm-hmm. I don't know. But the character's still really interesting, but the movie would have been absolutely fine without that character. Like, they could have just skipped finding him at that ski resort, and they could have just followed the caravan to where they were going anyway. And then the character, like, he helps out in the caves, but he doesn't do anything that Rocket or Maurice or Nova couldn't have done. Mm-hmm. So, again, the character seems like they they said, look, you got to have comedy. And someone designed and wrote a really good, really competent character, but he's worthless. And that's a shame because I want to like him. But as far as, like, the movie goes, he's he's without worth. I wrote down in my notes, I was like, this is Diddy Kong. <laughs> With, with all the how he looked and everything, I was like, he, he reminds me of Diddy Kong, and I, I find that funny because there is a um, the the red donkey like Donkey Kong, and I was like, oh, that's that's pretty pretty funny, yeah. but also uh, sad what they do that gorilla, but um, yeah. The the comedy at the beginning, I was like, all right, I hope this is not going to be like overwhelming. But they do a, a well balance of him being serious, but like, no. Yeah, they don't do it a lot. I agree, but it's just when they do it that that bothered me. Hmm. Um. You know, he he wanted friends, <laughs> so he has now for like that's the reason why he went with them. One because Maurice like screamed at him to go. Uh, and the other one was because he's alone, and now he has these, like, new friends, and I was like, okay, I, I can go along with that. Hmm. Because he, he kept on being annoying. No, we can't go. No. Played by Steve Zand, by the way. Yeah, I it bothered me because I recognized the voice a little bit, but mm. I don't know what I would know him from other than he's the other guy in Sahara, that movie from 2000, <laughs> the early 2000s. Yeah. <laughs> I know I've seen that movie more than once, so I guess that's it. That must be where I know him from. I don't know. I remember him from Rescue Dawn. <laughs> uh, I haven't seen that. Yeah, but I forgot he was in Sahara. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, like, like I said, he's the other guy. He's the sidekick. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that was cool. Let's talk about it real quickly. Well, before we move on to the virus itself on humans, uh, I like that the virus with the apes, not all apes talk like Caesar or even bad ape. Like, they all do the, the sign language and, like, this one word at a time kind of thing. Yeah, I like it too. I think it's like they're developing that part of their brain and, of course, their vocal cords and stuff like that. Like, they, they can speak, even Caesar speaks slightly more eloquently with sign than mm-hmm. he does with his actual voice. Well, I think making it clear from Bad Ape that uh, they learn from human talk. That's why, like, Bad Ape, don't do that, don't touch that, don't eat that. Like, that's how he was learning to talk, and I guess Caesar will learn to talk because of James Franco. And, uh, it just makes me wonder so much, now that they've established that, and of course the virus spread the world over, does that mean that there are apes that speak other languages in other countries? Of course, we've never seen that in the other movies. There's right. no reason that they would have showed us that specifically, but it, it's interesting to think about. Because there, as many apes as there are in North America, you've got to imagine that there's tons more in like Africa and Asia. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm getting, you know, that's... That's kind of worthless to talk about in a science fiction movie series. That's not the point. But it's still, it's fun to, to think about, to, to consider. Well, it's, yeah, it's fun to think about. And you kind of, in your mind, uh, like, we're thinking about the world and stuff. But I guess, like, casual movie fans will be like, well, they only have this small group, like, of 100 to, like, 300 apes and stuff like that's the only that's the most important contribution that bad ape has to like the mythos of these new prequels is he establishes the fact that these are not the only intelligent apes Mm -hmm. like the the other apes found out that they had this and the humans like he explains it like oh the humans killed them all like i was the only survivor i ran away Mm. but uh another thing that they kind of uh, bring from the old 
Planet of the Apes movies, how the humans can't talk. Um, yeah, I, I liked... I didn't think they would do that. I was kind of surprised that they bothered to do that, but then it ends up being such a pivotal plot point, and it's done really well. Because mm-hmm. we don't know in the old movies how that happened, and I guess we have to assume that maybe it was a virus in the old one, just like how this one is explaining. Yeah, I always felt like in the originals it was implied that they'd, like, devolved, and their their civilization had been so thoroughly destroyed that mankind no longer had a centralized location there was no agriculture and without agriculture culture crumbled but this kind of makes more sense it's more as a more like finality to it and it makes even more sense because if you remember that the virus comes from they were trying to cure parkinson's so of course it's a virus that works on the brain and of course it's ruining parts of the brain for speech and for you know just it makes them like vaguely feral he says which totally lines up with the way that humans uh, behave in the first two movies. Mm-hmm. And uh, Woody Harrelson character, pretty much they call him the Colonel, because uh, <laughs> I don't think they ha- had a name for him, right? He had a name tag on his BDUs. I'm trying to remember what it said, but I can't now. Was it like AD or something like that? No, it was something longer than that. Oh, but how cool is it that like they're... Um, not their logo like their insignia they have alpha omega on everything that just reminds me of the super weapon from beneath the planet of the apes mm-hmm. which is you know one of my least favorites but still it's, it's a cool little callback and i also like the fact that they named the little girl nova did you think that at that base they were gonna have some type of bomb because i i was like maybe they're gonna try to link the old movies especially that one movie where they went underground uh in escape uh that, you know, they'll have, like, a bomb because Alpha and Omega is there, pretty much. I was like, I thought there was going to be one big bomb that they're protecting. That's why they're building a wall. Like, that's why I thought the mystery of the wall that they were building. Eh, maybe. I don't know. Why would they Why would they want to protect a bomb? What are they going to do with that? I don't know. Be powerful? Yeah. I, but, uh, anyway, the colonel sees this, like, virus spreading and people are not talking and instead of, you know, being like, maybe we should research this, he just kills them. And that puts a divide in the humans, and there is a faction in the military that disagrees with his uh, tactics on killing their own kind. And pretty much, he is like Hitler. <laughs> and they capture the apes and put them like in a concentration camp and trying to build a wall so that the other faction uh can't get through which if you looked at the army at the end they were gonna get through no matter what they had fucking helicopters yeah i remember thinking that too it's like what the fuck was this wooden wall gonna do against like all these abrams tanks and apache attack helicopters and also it was kind of pissing me off that like the attack helicopters were like getting in close. It's do they not realize that rockets can just fly like forever? <laughs> they have, like wire guided stuff, and I, it, it's, it's it made for a more exciting scene. I'll give the filmmakers that, and they could be like, "Oh, they're out of the good rockets. They're all gone." But still, I was kind of like, "What is going on here? Why are they like point blank firing at this base?" <laughs> yeah, because I, I I guess it's just a power trip. You're like, we have all these apes. Let's make them do work on a wall and i'm like i guess the wall was made of wood and like some stone there was no way that that was going to work out but i guess you know against such a large force that was his best bet that was going to be his helm's deep or whatever Mm -hmm. and uh oh and caesar maurice and uh i believe rocket was the other ape or something like that um yeah rocket yeah rocket maurice uh lucas the gorilla they come uh, to this like small village area where I think there was a guy who had the same voice thing because he didn't say anything and he got shot right away. I don't know. I I got the no. He says I'm just gonna put this down. He can speak. Oh okay, but I guess he was protecting the the kid then because the colonel wanted to kill everybody with the virus. Because that scene he even says at some point. Uh, a bunch of people, specifically those with children, uh, deserted. Like he calls them cowards. They they ran away because he they knew what he was gonna do 
to children that had the disease. Mm-hmm. So I assume that was someone who deserted. Yeah, and, and then they find this uh, girl that eventually um, gets named off of a like a car emblem called Nova. Uh, Nova. Yeah, and um, they find her in, in that little shack area. And Maurice, I I love the chemistry with Maurice and kids, by the way. I don't know what it is, but he has a soft spot for kids. Yeah, Maurice is like far and away one of my favorite characters in the prequels. Because mm-hmm. he's like the brain. He's like, we got to think things out. We, we, you know, you're our leader, Caesar. You know, let's not think of anger right away. But Caesar's like, fuck that. I got to kill the colonel. And eventually they get to that part but uh what do you think of like how he was torturing them like he would put them on like these wooden stakes like a cross or something like that to be you know whipped and then out in the cold for a really long time well i think a lot of the other ones were dead they were it, that's a it's a callback to the scarecrows in the old movies mhm and it, it it besides the part where and by the way, I thought this was really stupid, um, where the girl just walks into the base and nobody notices her. Like, yeah. It's pretty hard to believe, but what she has on her side is that she actually, her silhouette is still human and she walks like a human. So in the dark, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of points in this movie where you can see what's going on, but you got to remember that in real life, in the dark, it is incredibly hard to see. So mm-hmm. I give, I, I'll give the movie a little bit of leeway on that but yeah it is pretty ridiculous that she just kind of like wanders in there (laughs) yeah so in the middle of the night like while caesar is in this cage in the cold and everything and the colonel is not feeding him or or giving water he pretty much gave it to the rest of the apes because uh you know caesar was complaining about that and they need you know water and food to finish the wall if you want that to be finished and eventually he did, but Caesar never got any. And the little girl gives him water and food and all that stuff. And then you had that cute scene where uh, they kind of do that apes together uh, hand motion. You know, and then she does it. I was like, that's pretty cool. I liked it. But uh, that's the only part I like. I, I just didn't like that she just walked into a military base and nobody noticed. But... uh i also like that they kind of show that caesar is strong and that he won't go down with a fight because the colonel comes out and goes to the cage he's like oh he's still alive i thought that was pretty neat because in in dawn um they mentioned when he got shot by koba that he's a strong ape He, he doesn't go down uh that easily he survives a lot of wounds in these three movies mm Hmm. And I really want to point this out that Andy Serkis does a really good job again. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, the guy's the best in the business at the whole mocap thing. Mm-hmm. Just, just a fucking amazing. I, I love what he did in this movie. Um, what else can I say about the Colonel? The Colonel's a dick. Did you Did you think Woody Harrelson did a good job in that role? I felt like it was too like with Gary Oldman, it was too quick again. Mm-hmm. I, I I was I was I agree with you on that one. Um, there were several times I kept thinking, is Woody Harrelson the right person for this role? Like, and he does a he does like a really good job. Like, if if for some reason I was in a position where I had to give him advice on how to play that role, I don't know if I, what I could have told him different. But it's like they don't give. The character doesn't do much as far as characterization goes. Mm-hmm. He basically just gives some plot points and some exposition and is a dick. That's that's kind of all he does. And it's a shame because the character could have had some really interesting layers. And they try it with like, oh, I had to shoot my son and all this other stuff. But it, it's still played with the same I'm a madman sociopath kind of feel to it. Yeah, I think they should have put a face on the other faction and i would have i would have taken that woody harrelson would have been with the other faction while they had somebody else as the hitler figure who's crazy and all that stuff because at times i was like man i see woody harrelson's 
passionate, but then when he becomes this bad guy, I'm like, I don't believe it. And then also, <laughs> I love that the trailers and everything, like, trick you, being like, oh, he's going to be throughout the whole movie. He, he really isn't. He's in, he's in, like, a couple of scenes. He's, like, in the in the climax of the scene. Like, you see him in the beginning killing his son, but then you see him pretty much in the middle, and then he dies. And it's pretty uneventful, and I didn't really care that he died. Because... Uh, I, 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 the last scene that he's in kind of even pissed me off, because it is really cool and interesting that it's the doll that gives him the disease and he winds up with it and he just kind of wants to die mm -hmm. but it's anticlimactic for this this weird arc that they did and that's a whole nother conversation that i'm ready to have about caesar's arc with wanting revenge but um yeah it, it like turns that into nothing it's, it's kind of a shame i, I don't know this movie had so many really cool things on a, on a larger scale, but there's just little character things that I thought really held it back. Mm -hmm. and as long as we're talking about characters, we'll move on to Caesar. Um, they they set up that he needs to become a better leader, and he makes some bad decisions. And he's like, "Oh, I just I'm gonna go kill this son of a bitch. He killed my son and my wife. Mm -hmm. I want revenge." And of course, Maurice is like, "Oh, you sound like Koba." And then later he's like, I am like Koba. I just want revenge. He doesn't like learn from that. And that is so frustrating because at the end, it's like, just go. If he would have just got out, well, I mean, still, they, they, they had to get the big explosion to like distract them and let the, let the enemy in and stuff like that. But that could have been handled differently than, no, I am like Koba. I want to go kill this guy for very little reason. Like, there is no reason to think that. Um, the other military wasn't going to just wipe the floor with it. Yeah, and it, it felt like Caesar was trying to feed off of what the audience, us, were feeling. Like, we have to get revenge on this guy who killed me. I didn't feel that at all. I wanted Caesar to get out of there. I thought that was the smartest thing to do, and it would have completed his arc. It would have been, oh, I abandoned my people because I wanted revenge. Now is my chance to go with my people and forego revenge. It made the most sense story-wise, but for some reason, they write it like he's just a bloodthirsty dumbass. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know if I could defend that. Um, that time, like, I can't defend it. You're right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just, it bothered me so much. And it's such a shame because that whole scene looks so cool and it's still climactic because the eights escape and it's fun the way they do it and everything else. But it's just, uh, I didn't get it. I didn't get why he went back for revenge. And then not only does he go back for revenge, but he doesn't even like get a satisfying conclusion. Mm -hmm. Like when he gets there, it's just like, oh, uh, the colonel's sick. Uh, he shoots himself. Yeah, like they try to make it. They try to make it like that's the arc. Like now he's like back to being a leader again, uh, wanting to live. I guess I don't know why he would have learned that lesson from that that interaction, but because otherwise, otherwise Caesar's great. I really like everything that goes with him. Andy Circus is fantastic. No, but it's just dumb. I I want to talk about this one character that's not really important, but they kind of like play with you a little bit. Uh, preacher, because you think that he's gonna be like a good guy, and he does kind of have feelings like is that they. The guy with the crossbow. Yeah. Yeah. Here's okay. Good, because this is the other character that pissed me off the most. Yeah, because in the beginning, like he's still alive. Caesar keeps him alive as like a token of peace. Like, don't come here, and you know, I'll end a war. We won't mess with you if you don't mess with us. And then. Down the road, you see Preacher looking in the cage like he has, like, emotions or feels for the apes that this is wrong. But then, when, you know, the other humans are attacking, he shoots Caesar anyway? Yeah, it pisses me off, because that's another character that they set up to have a character arc, just like Caesar. Caesar's set up to, to learn to be a good leader. This character is set up to, like, get empathy for apes or mm -hmm. to, like... You know to grow in any way 
And instead, he just ignores all of that. And this nothing character that had like three lines in the whole damn movie is the one that kills the main character from this whole trilogy. It's so stupid. It should have been anyone else. And did Caesar really? And then he gets blown up by Red Donkey. Yeah, did Caesar really need to die though? Like that's that's another thing. Like now now I'm even pissed off that you brought up the. Uh, because I just realized that that's how he died. <laughs> yeah, because this guy just shoots him. He has no dialogue for the like second and third acts of this movie. In the first act, he only has like four lines, and then he's just like there during a bunch of the like interrogation scenes. For some reason, um, it's he and Red Donkey that take Caesar to see the Colonel in that one big expositiony scene. Mm-hmm. Why him specifically? And like, why? Is, I just. And he, then he doesn't say anything, and yeah, there's that scene where he sees them in the cage, and you think he's gonna, like, have some kind of feelings. No, no feelings at all, just, he just keeps doing what he was doing, and then he gets blown up unceremoniously. So, it's, it, what a waste of time. Yeah. Another story that falls through. Um, yeah, it kind of pissed me off, and now I'm even more angry <laughs> that's how he died. Yeah, I mean, we're 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 getting all the nitpicks like right here in a row. This movie had a lot of problems, specifically with the characterization and character arcs. Like I said, overall, I mean, I still really liked this movie. This movie was really exciting and well put together, and I think it has the best soundtrack of the prequels, the the reboots, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's just you know, right there in a row, the problems with Caesar, problems with Preacher, the problems with Bad Ape was unnecessary but interesting. So eh, whatever. And what Disney? Some, some of the stuff could have been cut out, and the movie could have been two hours instead of two hours twenty minutes. Yeah, and what Disney could do, like going back on what you were saying about Disney owning Planet of the Apes now, um, they don't have to do a reboot, in my opinion. I think they could continue on this reboot timeline. And remember in uh, Rise, where you saw the astronauts go into space, you, you, like you, you came up with the. That being the movie, like imagine they come back and yeah, like, like I said on the other episode, that's that's what I think they should do. They would, you know, just just you still have the same timeline, but you get rid of all those characters, and you can still have like a genealogy thing going on. There can still be a lineage, like they are led by Cornelius, who is the son of the son of the son of the son, of whatever. Mm-hmm. And like uh, Maurice is obviously the one who passes down the teachings, and that's why the orangutans end up as like the the lawgiver kind of religious figures i'll say yeah religious more or less is what they allude to in the original movies and then that's what they should do they should just jump ahead way in the future and do that they wouldn't even have to jump ahead that far like the original movie they jump ahead like two centuries just jump ahead like 200 years Mm -hmm. so that they're still like ape ish so you can still do all this fun really good looking like cg and mocap stuff and with with just two hundred years removed, you still have like the crumbling ruins and stuff to play in and stuff like that, or or you know just do another full fledged reboot and jump a century into the future. It'd be fine too. Either way, that's what I think they should do. And I know people will be like, oh, another reboot, boo. And normally that's me too, but I just really think that would be a fun movie, really good. Yeah, and then you have the humans that have the virus that can't speak, and that would make sense when these astronauts come back. And see these apes, you know, controlling everything, and these humans who are prisoners now. Um, And if you only jumped 200 years, you could hypothetically still have pockets of humans that have, like, avoided that strain of the virus or something. mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like the uh, Tim Burton one, where um, it was garbage, but people had humans that were talking. (laughs) Yeah. Other than that... um, I kind of wish we did see the other faction, like, not, like, more scenes, but, like, maybe, like, one scene where there was, like, personality to it a little bit. Yeah, put a face on it. Like, even when you see them, they're all wearing masks. Like, mm-hmm. they, they know all these characters' characters. All these faceless soldiers are about to die, so they don't even put, like, a face on it. It's just, like, a, it's just a force of, it could be a force of nature, for, for all it matters in the movie, which it does get turned into in that ridiculous Deus Ex Machina where they all just die in an avalanche. Okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and they had to think, they're on a the mountain. It's snow. 
we're fucking lobbing bombs. Come on. <laughs> yeah. They they have survivor survival skills to know that hey we might cause an avalanche with all these fucking firepower that we're doing. But that's how they die. That's how the world becomes Planet of the Apes, pretty much. Is you know, and we don't know like the rest of the world what's going on, but the threats that Caesar and his his, his uh, family have is pretty much gone now. You don't have the Colonel. And now you don't have the other faction that's going to be chasing them down because they're all dead. So, um, trying to think what else to talk about. I think we covered everything. Yeah, I mean, I mean, everything that stood out to me were were my gripes with this otherwise really good movie. I mean, I, I can double back and retread old ground and say no, I really did like this movie, and I can keep saying that till I'm blue in the face, but. I I think the second one's better. I mean, as as you can see. I, do you want to talk about our rankings now, or do you want to hold off and do the final the final rankage on our wrap up? No, we'll give our personal rankings, and then everybody next episode we are gonna do a single uh, ranking, meaning we're gonna combine and we're gonna talk and we're gonna rank each one. We're gonna debate it out. Like we, uh, when we share our list, you're gonna see that I'm very different compared to Andy. So we're gonna talk it out in the next episode to come up with a one single list for you guys. Well, I had a really hard time putting this one in there. I knew for a fact that it was not better than Dawn or the original Planet of the Apes. So that was a pretty good place to start. I ended up putting it at number three. But I could almost put it at number four behind Conquest. But I, I think that's right. I think number three. I think this is like a better made movie because honestly, Conquest and Battle both are, they suffer from like their budgets. It's not the filmmaker's fault. It's just the movies don't look great in places. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, War for the Planet of the Apes had like a million dollar budget and it looks fucking great. So I'll give it that edge. It has, it has these gripes. But honestly, so did Conquest and everything else below it. So, yeah, number three for me. Cool. And uh, to quickly uh, say out your list real quick so everybody knows, you put Dawn of the Planet of the Apes as number yeah. one. Two. Dawn is number one. The original uh, Charlton Heston 1968 Planet of the Apes is number two. Then War for the Planet of the Apes. It's this this one. Uh, Conquest, that's the fourth movie. Rise of the Planet of the Apes, that's the first of the reboot. Mm-hmm. Uh, number six is Battle. That's the final of the original movie. Uh, seven is Escape from the Planet of the Apes. That's the comedically toned third in the original. Uh, Beneath the Planet of the Apes, the first sequel to the original, the one that's pretty good until the end, which is freaking stupid. And number nine is the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes 2001 remake, which is nothing but wasted potential and stupid nonsense. <laughs> uh, I put number one with War for Planet of the Apes. I felt like I had a better time than dawn um i don't know what it is i i I think caesar having that arc but also fucking up his arc at the same time was pretty cool and different because in the first two movies we're always seeing him be like the moral character leader and all this stuff like you had a different different thing to say about it until we talked through it on the episode yeah you kind of shed light to me a little bit because when i couldn't debate it i was like yeah yeah, you're kind of right. Because, I don't know, like, I thought of Caesar was running off of the same feelings that we were doing, and maybe you clearly were different on the feelings, because I was like, this colonel needs to go. Like, he's killed, you know, our family. Uh, he, There is no peace. This is war. Like, he needs to go. And then I was like, yeah, but it was kind of sh- shitty <laughs> how he died. But I, I did like the c- cinematography. I loved Andy Serkis in this rather than Dawn. I I thought he did a better job in this movie. Uh, um, I like the kind of like Nazi concentration camp that they kind of made out of this, out of, the, out of the Alpha Omega army, whatever they were doing with that. 
Uh, what else can I talk about? I don't know. I just thought it was better. I had a, I had a fun time, and I think that's how people should rank movies. If you're having fun with the movie, that's why you should go based off of that, and don't get all picky. Be like, man, the cinematography, the audio, the score was great, by the way. Oh yeah, I loved it. I really like the score in this one. So uh, yeah, that's my number one, and then number two I put is Dawn because Dawn is a good movie. And then three is Rise. So if you noticed, all the new movies are the top three. <laughs> and then I have... Oh, yeah. I have... Wait, the, is that... Did, did you change drastically from last week? Yeah, I had... Uh, Planet of the Apes, the first... Uh, 1968 at number one. And then I had Dawn, and then I had Rise. And then, So seeing, seeing the third one made you appreciate the first two more? Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of... Because as a whole, as a trilogy, I was like, this is really good. I enjoyed every single one of them. Yeah, honestly, I thought they would drop the ball on the last one because there's just so many modern trilogies that, like, I don't know. They, everything loses its way at some point. You look at the the um, the new Star Wars movies or you look at, uh, what else am I trying to think of? I had something. It's just there, there's so many newer movies where... I feel like they get compromised right off the bat and you get like uh, like the Hobbit trilogy. Mm -hmm. there's, there's a bunch of nonsense shoved in there that doesn't need to be. Stuff like that. And I thought for sure this would happen to these movies. But no, they the filmmakers kept it consistent. A consistent level of quality. Uh, Matt Reeves did a good job on the last two movies. He did. Yeah, so that, uh, that's good. And then the four, I have the 1968 Planet of the Apes. Uh, Five, I have Battle for Planet of the Apes. Six, I have Conquest. Seven, I have Escape. Eight, I have Beneath. And I think me and you, when we do the single list, I think we're both going to agree that Planet of the Apes' Tim Burton is going to be number nine. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, our seven, eight, and nine all match, so... Mm -hmm. It's just all the, the top portion of our list that we're going to probably have to debate and uh, come up to a common ground on what we're going to put in each place. But yeah, we are done with all the movies, and it's become a favorite of mine, Planet of the Apes. Yeah, now, like, if anything else happens with this series, I'll be, I'll be first to jump on board. Mm-hmm. I hope to, as much as I kind of, like, shrug and get really pissed off at Disney when they do movies like this, for like Star Wars or Marvel, and we're like, oh, another one. I really want to see them do a Planet of the Apes one. I want to see how they do it. It could be good. But uh, news that matter to us, uh, tomorrow they are releasing a Terminator Dark Fate trailer. So uh, I believe it comes out at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. So be aware of that. Andy, you said the new Quentin, Quentin Tarantino movie uh, trailer came out. What is it called? Oh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The trailer came out yesterday, I think. Yeah, I think it was yesterday. Yesterday at our time of recording, of course. But uh, yeah, it looks good. Uh, the movies look good all around, all along. Uh, I'm a huge sucker for movies about making movies and movies about old Hollywood. Movies about middle Hollywood? I don't know if that's the right phrase or not. But <laughs> uh, yeah, it looks great. It's got a lot of great actors in it. I love Quentin Tarantino. Even though he's a bit of a prick, guy can direct a movie like no one's business. So I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm looking at news right now. They came out with pictures of the uh, Rise of the Skywalker. They're, they're gonna kind of like market the shit out of this until December, pretty much. Yeah, that's fine. I really. Are you nervous about Terminator? By the way. Uh, I I have to admit I don't even. I mean, you love the Terminator frame. I don't care. I I tried to, but after like four, I don't even think I saw them anymore. I I love. One and two. Those movies are uh, classics. They're masterpieces, etc. Three was trash. Four was pretty fun. I don't think I saw any of the others. I never watched the TV series, even though everyone said it was good. Oh, it's, it's good. I, I'm I'm mad that they canceled it. But um, you know, three and pretty much after Judgment Day, they ignore all the other films and. It's funny, the poster says this is the day after Judgment Day, but 
fucking Linda Hamilton looks like she's fucking old as fuck. So I was like, maybe you shouldn't say that because Judgment Day happened in Terminator 2 was in the 90s. And now you look like you're pushing 70. So maybe are you trying to say that Judgment Day changed again? And this is the day after Judgment Day in 2020, pretty much? Who knows? Uh, uh, pretty much we'll talk about it next week when we see the actual trailer and I'll probably be hyped because I like every Terminator movie even though some of them are stupid and uh, are, have you seen the John Wick movies by the way no I really want to though yeah I didn't know they came out with a third one <laughs> yeah it came out uh, Thursday I think yeah it was like fucking three of them uh, and they're making like uh theories like fun theories that uh it's actually neo <laughs> in the matrix well, i don't know how that could work but okay i'll take it yeah uh, it's online I, I don't have i don't have too much time to talk about it here but uh anyway is there any projects you're working on or uh or, or video game projects at all if you want to talk about that i i think i have a video game project that i'm working on but i want to talk about it on the air because i it needs a ton of work. I, I have an idea. I might talk it to you about it off the air. Okay. Um, still slowly working on nerdreview.com. Uh, if you go there right now, you'll see that I've been working on a template. And um, it should be done next month, maybe. Um, there's going to be a forums. There's going to be reviews of pretty much anything nerdy. Um, right stuff that might be like little small articles if i could get a writing team to go there i'll probably be the only writer uh and all our shows will be on there you could also catch our shows on podbean if you go to novnetwork.podbean.com we're on there and we're also on spotify and itunes if you go to nerd review network on spotify or itunes we're on there and please give us a review give us a comment and uh you know Give us a sandwich. I'm hungry. Give us a sandwich. Give us a beer. Just give us anything, okay? <laughs> On that note, everybody, I think we will end this episode. Um, keep an eye out for our Detective Pikachu episode that we're going to be uh, airing soon. So keep an eye out for that. Until next time, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>